Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 5th, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 79, paragraph 2. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Diane G., the 12 Traditions, Nancy S., reading the text, Larry K., Chelsea H., and Carol G. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, April 4, 2015, 7525. 7525. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. Our fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to please read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G., compulsive overeater, today recovered, not cured, the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable. Excuse me. We admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list to all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. I will now ask Nancy S. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? 
Again, thank you. Thank you. The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise as problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OAA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for letting me do this service in my path. Thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers, it's six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again to keep a clear line. This quiet meeting for everyone makes it more easy for us to hear the recording and everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book on page 79, paragraph 2, and I will ask Larry Kay to, to begin our study today. Thanks, Melanie, for your service. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we are not to be hasty and fo- not to be a ha- the f- hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. A man we know had remarried because of resentment and drinking. He had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life, had secured a position, and was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive heroics if he had walked up to the judge and said, "Here I am." We thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary. But if if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. 
we suggested he write his first wife admitting his fault and asking forgiveness. He did, and also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try to do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course, she did not, and the whole situation has long since been adjusted. You know, this, um, in reading this, uh, you know, here, here was a guy that was willing, um, really willing to go to any lengths. And, um, you know, it speaks to me in the sense that, you know, uh, we, we really need a, a recovered sponsor who's been through this process to kind of to help, you know, light the pathway of recovery for us and to, to understand, you know, uh, in, you know, the best ways to proceed forward. And that's what I think about with this, too, because, you know, it says he had commenced our way of life and secured a position, was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive heroics that he walked up to the judge and said, here I am. You know, but you know, we thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary. But if he were in jail, obviously he's, he's not going to be able to provide for the first wife, the second wife, and the family. And so, you know, I look at it like him, him being guided in a way <clears throat> to to be able to handle this in the best way possible. You know, positive change isn't a matter of the will. Rather, it's a, it's a matter of being willing to do whatever it takes. And when I'm not willing, no matter how much I say I want to change, it simply, you know, will not happen. You know, I'm, I'm merely playing, a, you know, a word game to perhaps make myself, you know, feel better temporarily. And that was always the case for me. You know, and it, is it any wonder that, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists, they don't take our words at face value? You know, addicts will, like myself, will say almost anything to placate a situation, you know. And, uh, you know, the difference between the will and being willing is vast. You know, for example, seeing this process of of action through to completion does not take an iron will. In other words, I, I don't need some sort of indomitable spirit before I start the journey. I don't need to spend months preparing myself to get ready, to get ready, to get ready for the perfect moment to make amends in step nine. But I, I do need the guidance of another person who's been through this. You know, because if I if I'm waiting for the proper amount, you know, proper amount of willpower to act on what is right, you know, keep dreaming, Larry. You're going to keep waiting. You know, if I'm waiting for God to sweep me off my feet and carry me to total victory, you know, keep dreaming. That's what I tell myself. That's not what my experience has been. It's not the way this process works. You know, this process, including step nine, is transformative but it's not a fairy tale, you know, and, and no one has a mountain of willpower that sweeps away all, all opposition, all, you know, all things that get in the way of this. Thank God we do not need a massive will to succeed in this process. However, you know, we do need the willingness to do whatever is required to align our will with our higher powers. And, and I'll wrap up by saying that, you know, eloquent speeches, you know, dramatic resolve aren't part of the script. You know, for me, if, if anything, they were a liability. We, we get on with the business of making amends. We focus on the underlying purpose. You know, why are we doing this? You know, to show others that I've changed? No. You know, that's window dressing. To unburden myself? No. That's selfishness. No, in my opinion, th- this, this is, is about um, a demonstration 
to the God of my understanding that I'm truly willing to change from, from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Who would like to comment on what Mary, we're today? Mary A. Hi, Mary. Sally. Anyone Melissa else? C. Charles H. and Melissa. Let's go with that, please. Thank you so much. Mary A., you go first. Good morning, everybody. Mary A. from New Jersey. And thank you all for being here. You know, this paragraph means a lot to me because uh, you don't see it everywhere, but how this man wrote the letter and in it asked forgiveness. And as somebody just said, why am I doing this? You know, really, what is the point of it all? And it's really um, for me to get it right with God because this is God's will, wanting me to show compassion and asking people to forgive me. You know, I was thinking about when I do to go to give an amends that the most important thing in that amends is I want to show that person that I truly feel, truly feel and understand that I fully have harmed that person. I know it can be done as, you know, just a write-off, you know, check-off. I, you know, made it to that person. I was contrite. Um, Check-off, you know. But to me, you know, saying to them, I am truly sorry and can can I make it right with you is is so important. And Sunday, I was leaving church, and this woman looked at me funny. She was selling something in the vestibule, and I looked at her, and I remembered, and I said, and I went up to her, I said, are you the person that I, uh, we had words, and I was unkind to you? And she, she said, oh, that's all water under the dam. That's all one to the, it was about her grandchild really being, so um, loud in church, and I just said again, I hope that one day you can find it in your heart to forgive me, and you could see, I I knew that the resentment was still there, she had no clue, but um, that's the most I can do in some of my, you know, I, I'm, I can never have it on, I think it hurts me, but there's nothing I can do when somebody absolutely, there's just people in my family said. I don't care. I do not want to hear from you. I don't want an amends, and and I just have to leave them alone. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Mary A. Sally A. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. So what I see here is um, really an extension. It's we're, we're looking at step nine. And it speaks to me of page 83, the top of the page, the very first sentence at the top of page 83. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. And, you know, we see in these, in these pages as we're looking at step nine, there, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of reconstruction to be done. It's, you know, it's like where it says in, that, in the book, in the next few pages, we're going to see where it says, look, Mom, the wind, look, Ma, the wind stopped blowing. Ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing. And when we think about, you know, these, some of these catastrophic um, 
things that have happened, you know, with Katrina and uh, with um, Storm Sandy, you know, down at the New Jersey shore. And, and we, we think about some of these horrible, horrific storms that have happened and the period of reconstruction that had to take place around those storms. It's really no different than my life. And that is what I am in right now. I am even three years into recovery I am still in a period of reconstruction. And so is Katrina. It's still in a period of reconstruction. And that's what we see here. We see this man who made a mess of his life and who wasn't responsible or accountable, who wasn't doing the right thing by his family. And even though he was getting well, he was a sick man who was getting well. They, they don't know what he's doing. They're not really understanding that this guy's getting well. They're busy taking him to court and getting him thrown into jail. And his, his mindset, that's what I love about these paragraphs. His mindset is that he's surrendered, he's willing, he's accountable, he's accepting the outcomes, and he's working with the we. He's working with his sponsor. He's working with the people that God has put in his life to help him to sort out the mess, to clean the wreckage of his mouth, of his life, he's, of what his mouth has done. He's, he's looking over his shoulder and he's taking a look at the wreckage, and here he's in his period of reconstruction. I have to tell you, my period of reconstruction is not like, you know, three months or even three years. I can see that my period of reconstruction is going to take time because for so many years, I wasn't thinking straight. I was sick in the food. And consequently, my relationships were messed up. I had no set of boundaries. I was busy playing God. People have certain expectations of how I'm going to behave and how I'm going to say things and do things and rescue them and all kinds of things. And I'm not the same Sally. And they don't know what to do with me because I'm not the same Sally. And so this is what we see here on this page. The period of reconstruction. Thanks for letting me share that with Sally Pass. Thank you, Sally A. Charles H., you're next. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie C. for your service. My name is Charles H., a recovered visionary. Um, there's a, a couple of space, a couple of places I want to. First of all, I want to. I want to hit on. Um, he ought to be willing to be like yo. It says something like, "Here I am." Nah, chill, chill, big book, chill, chill, <laughs> chill. I mean, I'm willing, but I ain't, I ain't trying to go go to jail up in here right now, uh, for real. Um, that's just that's just my process, man. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't I ain't come to recovery to be like, yo, here I am. I did all this. I'm not trying to jump out the window today. There's eight steps before, you know. There's eight steps that I must take before. You know, I come up in here wearing an OA chain saying, hey, I am, I, I'm the one that robbed the bank. Yeah, I killed that person now, too. Um, but there's another spot on here um, in in these two paragraphs that I wanted to drill down on. He commenced our, to our way of living. Um, you know, that's big. You know, commencing to our way. What's our way? The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is sufficient to bring forth um, an entire change. And, you know, you know, and everybody's process is different. You know, I'm doing it to please God, and, and, and it feels good. Even if they kick me out of the office, it's, you know what, ahead of time, Friday, these people ain't going to like me. Some people up on here don't like me, but that's okay. You know, that's okay. As long as I commence to this, this way of living, 
Um, it's all good. And and I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I wanted to watch the games last night, but you know, um, we went to prayer, and then we were supposed to go to another church meeting last night, and they said, "No, go." The pastor said, "Go downstairs. We'll call you when the van is ready." They didn't call us. My wife caught a crazy resentment. But I was happy because I was able to watch the Houston game, even though they lost. But, see, that, that's how it is. You know what? If I say, even if I commence to this way of living, I'm going to catch certain, I'm going to feel certain type of waves regardless. Um, you know, I'm human. I, I, I'm not an android. And even an android got to be repaired by, or even a robot got to be prepared by a human. And if, if, if I think I'm perfect before I got the vision for you, guess what? It ain't perfect no more because I got there. And that's all I need to share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Melissa C., you're next. Good morning. This is Melissa C. Thank you very much. A recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, it just makes me think about the difficulties of um, amends with family and righting the wrongs. Um, and that my amends much deeper than just a sorry and um you know and and I have to really think it through because the amends is is to change and you know um when I was reading and thinking this morning um you know I'm not divorced so my marriage is intact and my initial response is always to like identify out you know and um I didn't have an alcohol problem so you know it's not as bad but you know, my food addiction definitely wreaked havoc on my family and um, contributed to a lot of pain in the house. And, you know, my amends really are to have been to my children. And although they were young when I first came to recovery, um, so saying I'm sorry doesn't really doesn't really mean much to them. They don't really, you know, they don't get it. Um, and, and it's, and what am I going to apologize for, for stealing their candy, for creating a house where food was God and, um, you know, and, and keeping them in a lot so that we could eat with the door closed and, you know, um, but it's, it's the change. That's the part that I'm really hearing today. Um, and, and that is, thank you God, what I've been able to do, you know, um, I don't, forbid them, you know, they, they have their own, they're older, a little bit older now, but I can't forbid anybody to eat anything. But one of my events is, um, you know, I don't buy crap to put in the house. And and our and our lives are based on um, activity and, and interactions rather than hiding in the house with the food. And that, to me, is an incredible event. And I also share with them, you know, my story, because um, I don't know what God has in store for them, and they could very well be, you know, suffering from an addiction someday. But and so my amends is that they get to see their mother um, in a recovered state, being authentic and um, someone with integrity. And and I was able to share the other night um, something with my kids because they were kind of complaining. I think they wanted to be the buy something or stop for something and um and I just shared with them that, you know, part of my part of my genetic <laughs> makeup and possibly theirs is an is an obsession with food and that has led me to obesity. And I don't know what life has 
forth for them, but I'm certainly going to keep them as much as possible aware of it um, and surrounded with healthier choices. And so that I can feel, I can feel positive about making that event today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. Is there anyone else that would like to share on these two paragraphs this morning? This is Bella. Can I share? I hear Bella G and I hear Janice M. Anyone else? Renata. <coughs> Renata. Okay, let's go with oh Basa. Okay, let's go with those four for now. Thank you so much. And Bella G, would you start us out? Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you, everybody on the line. She was furious. She went to court, to court and got an order for his, for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life. Wow, so beautiful. They, yes, this is, you know, before the program. She was furious, you know, and she went to court. Yes, she she did an action, an action according her feelings. She was serious, so then she got to court, maybe to punish him or whatever. This is where I was before the program. Yes, I had feelings. I didn't know what to do the, with, with the feelings. And then when I did wrong thing without thinking, when I wanted to prove my ego, I am not there anymore. Thank God. Thank God. He has commenced our way of life. Yes, thank you, God, that now I am in the program. Yes, I have to respect my feelings, but not to stay there, to do an action, but not an action to prove my ego, to prove my power. Yes, today I am connected to God. Today I know that God loves me, accepts me, and trusts me. Yes, today I am taking care of myself. Today I am responsible for myself. And the beauty of the program that I am not alone. Yes, I want to take, I am responsible and I want to clean my path. It's hard for me to do it alone. I am not alone. I am together with my sponsor. My sponsor is not my teacher. She is not my therapist. She is the same as me. She went through me, through, through this, exactly like me. Yes, she is there for me. She understands me. And I know that by making this amends, it's not a punishment. It's not to tell me, oh, you, you, you acted wrong, you behaved wrong, now go to jail. It's a, it's a punishment. No, not at all. It's a tool to live the present, to live the present in a peaceful way, in, without fear, because today I am connected to God. Yes, God loves me, and today I don't have to prove myself. Today I am here to do God's message for me and not mine. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Janice M., you're next. Yes, thank you. Thank you, um, Melanie and everyone else. This is Janice M. from Massachusetts. I am grateful, recovered compulsive overeater. 
You know, the previous paragraph one says we should go to any length, okay? So now, well, you know, I'm talking about myself, a little haughty. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to this one and I'm going to go to that one, you know, making all the decisions myself. However, as it was stated prior, here's a warning. This is a big warning for me. Um, and it was because I wanted to make amends, and uh, my my sponsor suggested, no, you're not ready yet to do that one. I said, oh, yeah, I am. I don't have any resentments. She says, no, not yet. You know, so it's like we've got to be very careful. We cannot sacrifice others at my own expense. You know, we can't free ourselves just so that I'll feel good, that, oh, good, I got that off my mind. You know, the um, or I have my own peace of mind at the expense of others. You know, the 12 and 12 is very good, you know, with this on page 83 and 84. Extreme caution here. This is why we have a guide. You know, I, I think I know what to do, but I don't have this experience in the beginning. But someone else does. And um, I'm going to rely on that sponsor. It's just like saying here, um, we can do more harm. Um, it, it tells us in the 12 and 12, that good judgment, well, good judgment, who, who's going to help me judge? It's going to be my higher power and my sponsor. I haven't gone through this, so I wouldn't know in the past. Careful sense of timing. When is the right time, Janice? I thought I was ready, and she said, no, you're not, Jan. And um, courage is from God, and again, prudence is the right timing. And, you know, somebody's experienced they do know. And in the third paragraph, um, it talks about, yeah, we asked for forgiveness, and he did. He said, I'm sorry, but watch what happens. And there's a connective word there. And also sent a small amount of money. You see, that has to be followed by an action, like was said, a demonstration of my amends, because that's what it is, a reparation, of a repairing the, the, the harm that I did to others. So we have to re, I have to remember that, because if I feel entitled and I'm not going to pay the money back that I took from the business, um, hello, <laughs> there's, no, there's no amends there. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Renata G., Hi, Melanie. Good morning. Uh, thank you for your service. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. I want to focus on he had commenced our, our way of life because, you know, this amends process, it was really life-changing for me. You know, uh, I really realized how much harm I had caused to other people when I made my amends, and I was uh, really really sorry for it. I really regret my behavior. I, I did not want to go on with life after this process, you know, taking the same action, actions that I used to take in the past. You know, I used to be such a dishonest person. Um, I didn't even realize that because, you know, I wasn't going into stores and physically stealing things, but I used to, to lie in all sorts of situations just to take advantage of discounts or, you know, for example, um, I didn't have health insurance in the past. And so I would go to certain places and tell them I, I did like, I don't know, a fifth 
uh, of money that I actually did. You know, I would lie about my income so I could get, you know, um, advantages that, you know, people that needed more than I did, uh, you know, uh, would get. And, uh, you know, it made me realize that when I do things like that, I'm taking someone else's turn, you know, someone else's uh, help. And uh, and I had to go back to those places and tell the truth and, and pay money back and, you know, and that taught me not to do it again, really. And so today I really try to live my, my life as honest as I can. I try to, to think of others, you know, like, you know, there were situ- like big things in my life that I missed out on that I disappointed people because I was just thinking about myself. And so, you know, today, by the grace of God, I have a more sensitive um, radar, you know, let's say for these things. Like whenever I do something that doesn't feel quite right, I'm quick to, to repair it, you know, with my, my set sense, right, to look at it and be honest about it and go and make amends if needed to. But I know that the big amends that I had to make in the past, you know, really changed me, really made me learn uh, a new way of living, and uh, I'm very grateful for it. Very, very grateful. With that, I bet. Thank you, Renata G. And Vasa O, you're next. And after you share, we'll move on with our study with Chelsea yes. H. Good morning, Vasa. Oh, go ahead. Is go it ahead. me? Yes, it is. Vasa? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive, overeater calling from Massachusetts. Uh, and, uh, you know, the steps are laid out the way they are laid out for, for a purpose for reason for me to understand them, I, you know, again, I needed to take them paragraph by paragraph, step by step, and I still go back and forth, you know, I'll never be done with them. But making amends was very important for me, you know, the people that I listed from the fourth step, and I did it with with somebody that had gone before me with a sponsor that knew what she was doing to guide me to do it, you know. And, again, I've done a lot of amends, and I still have to do some when God will put those people in my life, and I I will do it. If not, God knows my heart. But anyways, um, we're talking about this man going to court for not paying enough alimony, or not paying for alimony. Well, you know, he was ready to humble himself and put the pride aside and, and going to any length to make it right with his wife so he wouldn't go to jail. He could pay only a little at a time as he could. So that was a good thing. He's trying to build his character, not to be the person that he was before. He's trying to be a better person. And for myself, you know, like I don't hear hear that much. Making amends to myself was also very important, not to keep on hurting myself with the food and, and, and also making living amends to my children, to be a, a better mother, to be a better loving wife and a friend and how to serve God as I go along, uh, going through the, you know, through the process and going through the steps. So God is shaping me and he's molding me to the person that he wants me to be. And I thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And then let's move on with our study this morning. <clears throat> Pardon me. 
Chelsea H., would you please read the first paragraph on page 80? Yes. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for your service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. Before taking drastic action which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, ask God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. Um, For me, this uh, part of the uh, text is saying to me, after I have already gone through my fifth step with my guide and my God of my understanding, and we've gone through it, so we have already talked about some of this stuff, and when it comes down now, after I've made my eighth step list and everything, again, I still am working with a guide, and um, if I'm not working with a guide, I may have to consult with whomever it was that I did my fifth step with to kind of run it by them because now at this point in the work, I've long since given up um, managing my own life. I had been fired way back earlier in the work. So now for me, this part of the thing is to be still and to try to practice good judgment at this point because in the past, all I've done was relied on reason, my own reason, which failed me utterly. So now I get an opportunity at this point to implement a different behavior so I can try to get a different result. Because in the past when I've had to deal with straightening out some type of kerfuffle that I instituted, I would end up making the situation worse rather than better by trying to exert my will and to have people follow the scripts that I had written and, again, being so invested in the outcome that if it didn't turn out the way that I had written the script, I'd eat, and in my case, drink too. And that would be the only way I'd get ease and comfort because I would be baffled as to why in the world didn't it work out the way that I had planned. And then I'd ruined it. I got to go back and make an apology, but I'm running in there roughshod, and it's all about me, 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 and how can I make myself feel better for something that I goofed up on. So uh, my guide told me to invite Didi in because my divine director, by this point, again, I've established some small beginning of a relationship. This isn't like I'm just jumping into this step. And I don't want to use absolutes because everybody has to have their own experience with this material. So my experience is all I can share, and hopefully that will at least uh, connect with somebody or at least lessen someone's anxiety before they're even at this point, because if you're a newcomer and you're hearing all this stuff, it can be overwhelming, and it could be something to where you're thinking ahead when you're not even leaning into the step you're on. So um, part of this um, reason that I'm learning now to share is to let you know that there is a way to do this, even when you're frightened and you get to this part, whatever the God is of your understanding, for the relationship that you've already started, you will be able to turn to that to get the ease and comfort that you'll need to give you the courage to go out, talk to somebody about it, run it by somebody, consult with others, and mainly bring the God of your understanding into the process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kelsey H. Who would like to comment on this paragraph on page 80, paragraph 1? Reva P. Hi, Reva P. Anybody else? Laura G. Okay, I have you, Laura G. Okay, let's start with Reva P. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. My name is Reva P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. 
Um, as was said previous, uh, this paragraph reminds me that I am a person of extremes. I did extreme um, things before I came into program, and I wrecked havoc with people, places, and things. And then um, in recovery, I can also be another extreme at the opposite end where I want to hurry up, get on with the steps, and be that what I think is perfect person or fix it all up and get on with my life. Um, and I'm so grateful for paragraphs like this, which have an if, and there's, you know, if one, two, three, there's four things, if this, if that, if this, which means I need to pause and I need to um, ask other people, my sponsor, my higher power, and I need to wait um, and that is such a difference from how I behaved before program. And that is already an amend or a change in my behavior so that, um, as was said earlier, I don't make more of a mess in my effort to fix things. Um, and it's because I've done the pivot step where I know in six and seven, I'm not relying on Riva anymore. I'm relying on my higher power who speaks to me through people in the program um, and through the literature and the big book. Um, and I'm so grateful because that is so the opposite of how I behaved. And to be able to exercise good judgment and reasonableness um, is a whole new and wonderful way of living. Because it, for me, it's not so much what I do in this step of amends, it's how I do it. If I don't do it with guidance and peace, I'm not going to get peace and freedom after. Um, and to learn the process of how to do these things with the support and the guidance um, from divine, I guess, um, through people. So that's all I want to share, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reva P. Laura G. This is Rochelle. I can share. Hi, Rochelle. Just one sec. I'm going to have um, Laura G. go just before you, and then I'll, I'll catch up with you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm Laura. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, hi, Laura. Hi. When I did my ninth step, um, one of the biggest amends I needed to make was to my son. And um, he didn't think that I needed to make an amends to him. But the way that I raised him was not, you know, I knew what good nutrition was, but I didn't enact it. And I raised him on sweets and, um, you know, stealing his Halloween sweets and, and, and all that. In fact, one time he said that he was going to report me to child services for taking all of his Halloween stuff. And I thought it was a joke, but it really wasn't. And, um, so now he is, he's a grown man, and at the time that I was raising him, I was anorexic, and he is um, exhibiting the same behavior that I did. And so when I made amends, um, he didn't. He said he didn't think I needed to make amends, and I pointed out to him what his um, lack of food plan is, and that he got it directly from me, and look at the results of it, and it. You know, and I did it with love. I didn't do it as a, a punitive thing. And, you know, it gave him pause to think. And when I made amends to my family, it was um, because they, 
all the health problems I've had as a result of my food um, has caused them worry. And the amends that I'm making today is um, taking care of myself so that I don't cause them more worry. And I did. I ran all this by my sponsor first because my magical mind will get me to very strange places and I need an outside um, opinion on things. And that's all I have to share. Thank you, Laura G. Rochelle M. Morning. Thank you very much for this topic and uh, for this meeting. So I, I'm just so delighted with the spiritual transformation that has taken place um, because of this program. And I remember when I previously had to make amends before I was in program that if I had to apologize to someone, it meant gritting my teeth so badly that it would bring tears to my eyes because I was so I was so full of pride that I that was the only way I could say I was sorry. And of course that wasn't followed by any repair in, in my character. But today, uh, thanks to this program, I am a different person. So um, it came to my attention very recently that there was someone 10 years ago with whom I had been prideful and speaking to them. And I couldn't even remember the nature of the conversation, you know, like what, what I actually said and to what extent I expressed um, how offended my pride was by something that they said to me. It was a very good comment that this person made, and I don't usually speak to them. In fact, I hadn't really had a phone conversation with her in 10 years. And when I thought about it, I said, oh, my goodness, I still owe her an amends. And I discussed it with um, a wise lady and because my sponsor was not available. And we decided that what I was going to do is, um, is write her a note because I couldn't approach her in her office building. And uh, if I went to her door, I think she would slam the door in my face. At least that's what I was concerned about. So my higher power saw to it that I was really ready to make this amends. And that's really so interesting because it's such a different procedure than not being in program. I had to have the willingness. I had to consult with someone else. And I had to ask my higher power to give me the willingness to make this amends. And I thought I would see this person over the weekend. And uh, I asked my higher power to put them in my life as they had through this unexpected communication with them. And, 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 and even though it wasn't exactly the timetable that I expected to see them, there they were coming towards me up the street. And I went over to her, and uh, I followed the procedure, and I made an amends. And, and I, the, the most wonderful thing was, at least in terms of my side of the street, the iceberg melted, and I have no, no negative feelings towards her today. And instead, I feel just fine. And someone earlier used the word contrite, and that's having a sense of remorse and wanting to do the right thing. And, and that's amazing because this, this whole process results in more humility. If there's such a quantity, is more humility. And that is such a wonderful thing to have. Put that at pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle M. Would anyone Becca else w. like to comment on this? Becca W. I'm sorry. Hi, Becca W. Anybody Hi. else? Sue B. Sue B. Let's go with Rebecca W. and Sue B. for right now, and then we'll see what we have left. Good morning, Becca. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. This is Becca W., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Maryland. And um, I really like this paragraph for a couple of different reasons. 
Um, a lot of times when we're approaching our ninth step and even, even before, we're thinking in our heads, oh, my God, I've done the worst thing ever. Um, no one else has done anything like this. And I've, I've heard stories of good friends in the room that have told a story like that, and then the sponsor says, I've done the same thing. And so in our heads, we kind of build up um, these, these that, that, we've, that we're just this horrible person. We've done these horrible things. And in this paragraph, we see before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. Well, if it's a sentence like that, and it's involving other people, um, and, and we have to consult these other people, um, it, it might be something big, like really big. And I like that they put it in terms like that, because it eases at least my mind that, okay, maybe other people have done something really big too. And what we also see here is that we have to slow everything down. And for the first time, I'm practicing that because when I'm in my disease and you talk about, you know, the doctor's opinion, especially page XXIX, they talk about the addictive cycle there. And what happens in that addictive cycle is it just keeps going around and around and around. You know, our emotions build up to the point of where we have to bash them down with the food. Um, we get back into the food. We have our binge. And then we feel guilty and we feel remorseful. And then we swear off, and that cycle keeps going around and around and around. We make our new plan, and, and we're back in the cycle again. But what happens is there's a beautiful moment there where we can pause, and it's usually after we binge and we're feeling remorseful before we make a new plan and swear off. And that pause right there, we can realize what the food was doing to us because up until now, we just know what it's doing for us. And so we can pause in that moment and realize, wait, this is doing something to me. I need to change my behavior. And here in this paragraph, we see us changing our behavior. We're actually consulting other people. We're considering their feelings. You know, we've gotten permission. And most importantly, we've brought God in. Because I know for myself, when I was in my addictive cycle, God was nowhere to be found. Thanks for my path. Thank you, Becca W. Sue B. Linda R. Hi, Linda R. We'll catch you just right after Sue B. Sue B, press star one, please. This is Sue B from Maryland. Thank you to you, everyone, for sharing. And um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about my experience with the fifth step because ninth step I mean because after I gave my fifth step to my sponsor I was ready to go out and fix the world because that's one of my character defects controlling and fixing rescuing and I wanted to make my amends to everybody right away and get everything fixed and that was my plan and my sponsor said wait and I was so shocked I, I had had a um, situation in my family where my daughter was separated from me and not speaking to me, and there was hurt and anger. And um, my sponsor said, wait, I saw my part so clearly, I was convinced that if I ran to her and apologized, made amends, that everything would be restored. And my sponsor said, wait. God will open the door for you. The opportunity will come. And um, today, relationships are being restored because of my actions. And 
the door will open when it's time for me to physically or to verbally say the words, but nobody's going to trust me if I run right out and start making amends and I haven't done anything to change my actions with my relationships with them. So to wait for God to give us the opportunity to make the amends, uh, I think is a very, very important part of this. Um, and so I just want to thank everybody on the line. And now let me thank you for your service. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sue B. Linda R., you're next, and you'll probably take us up to the end of the recorded session. Good morning. Good morning. This is Linda R., recovered in North Carolina. Very grateful to the fellowship, and thank you so much for your service today. As far as the ninth step for me, you know, I've been around the program many, many moons, and um, done my immense work and, you know, living in 10, 11, and 12 today. And um, I've recently, you know, had an experience where, you know, when I was um, a young mother and I was in my disease, I wasn't present. So I created a lot of silence and things were going on and I couldn't really, you know, I didn't really see it because I wasn't aware you know, as a result of the step work and God in my life today, I am so much more aware. So in some relationships, especially with my children, to me, an amend is speaking up. Sometimes, you know, when I, not being silent and not, you know, waiting for the right time and to have a voice in the situation, especially with my older daughter, I, you know, I see a lot of things sometimes and I'm quiet. When she was young, I, I saw a lot of things or I didn't see a lot of things, and I was quiet. But today, because I'm recovered, there's a time when God says to me, Linda, it's time to have a voice. And that's the amend, having a voice, not always being silent. So I just wanted to say that. And, you know, my daughter, thank God, is in recovery. So, you know, I'm able to have an open dialogue with her many times and Sometimes, you know, when we speak, you know, she may not like what we speak about. However, for me, that's what I'm trying to share today, that an amends is not always being silent. Sometimes the amends and the turnaround for me is really speaking up and then having the voice. Thank you. Thank you, Linda R., and thank you to everyone who shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with the serenity prayer. Carol G., would you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Melanie. Carol G., recovered grateful. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.